Welcome to the Energy Exchange Season 2, hosted by Internex, your go-to source for content on today's most relevant grid modernization topics that is concise and arms you with actionable intelligence. Hello, I'm Ron Trevor, Vice President of Grid Modernization with Internex. And while at Distributech 2020 in San Antonio just a week ago, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Denise Ernst, Vice President at Parks Associates, to discuss the impact of smart homes and the potential value that this can bring to both the customer and the grid. Just a bit of background before we cut to my interview with Denise. Smart home technology is one of the fastest growing industries, thanks in part to devices and services such as Nest, Ecobee, Google Home, Amazon Echo, and Apple. Recent information captured by Parks Associates in research from his fourth quarter 2019 survey of 10,000 broadband households found that 29% of U.S. broadband households now own a smart home device, a 20% growth rate from one year ago. Parks hosted their 15th annual Connections Summit, Smart Home Business Models and Strategies, a few weeks ago at the Consumer Electronics Show 2020 in Las Vegas. With all this connectivity in the home, an enablement to better monitor, manage, and control their home, appliances, lighting, and security, and all that it brings to the consumer, what role does all this ability now bring to the grid? Utilities are forging ahead with bold efforts targeted at grid modernization, much of which focuses on greater situational awareness and action. In the connected home, consumers are also focusing on not only awareness, but conditional actions based on comfort, convenience, and logical actions. Are we at the nexus of both of these innovations? Can the grid benefit and support the smart home and vice versa? And now a word about Parks and Associates. Parks Associates is an internationally recognized market research and consulting company specializing in emerging consumer technology products and services. Founded in 1986, the firm creates research capital for companies ranging from Fortune 500 to small startups through market reports, primary studies, consumer research, custom research, workshops, executive conferences, and annual service subscriptions. Each year, Parks Associates hosts industry webcasts, the Connections Conference Series, and the Smart Energy Summit Engaging the Consumer, which is coming up in February 17th through 19th in Austin, Texas. And so, listen into this episode recorded live on the Distributech floor and gain insights from one of the early pioneers for connected homes since the mid-1980s. Denise starts by speaking to the significant visionary fulfillment with all the current interest in smart homes. Well, Ron, yes, it's it's been interesting on the recent changes, and finally we're seeing a significant growth in adoption, but that's been a long road. We're moving from originally, which, which was a device-centric focus, to the whole home concept. Historically, most smart home devices are purchased as a standalone device. As more devices are purchased by that homeowner, they then seek to have some kind of unifying control. They don't start off looking at it as a whole home. A tipping point that home control system comes with the ownership of at least three devices, but generally we see it around five devices when they start looking for other solutions on how to control them all. In 2018, over half the households that own three or more devices also own a home control system. Roughly three-fourths of those households owning a home control system have just purchased that within the past two years. That's significant. 
improving interoperability and automation is really what's driving this. And this can really be contributed to the voice-based platforms such as Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant. That has really helped expand the market dramatically. These devices allow a consumer to personalize their own ecosystem, and it's very, very easy. It requires little or no installation effort. This automation or being able to turn things on and off with a voice system makes their lives easier. It also potentially can save them money. All of these features are becoming increasingly important to consumers, particularly when we look at the younger consumers, such as the millennials who are now getting into the housing market. Automation has historically revolved in the smart home around basic remote access and control, turning things on and off, turning the volume up and down on a TV, for example. But they also, when we look at the consumer, they're a key product feature. Consumers expect that now. The ability for an individual device, such as a smart thermostat or smart light bulb, to become automated is definitely where the market is going and becoming a key preference for anyone intending to buy the device. One of the most important features for smart lighting devices is the ability to turn the light on and off just by sensing a human in the room. While these are highly desired, this automation feature, from the consumers, they're not necessarily prominent in today's product offerings. Intenders, those who are, are buying, are also, or thinking about buying, I should say, also tell us that saving money is one of the more important capabilities for products such as a smart thermostat. In addition, when we look at these devices, especially a thermostat, one of the things that consumers tell us, in a perfect world, they'd really like that thermostat to react to the weather and make automatic adjustments. You raised a very interesting point, and uh, I'm, I'm a home automation geek myself. And you know, I, I've got more connected devices, lights and sensors and, and whatnot. And, and I'll give you a quick anecdotal story just to, to kind of set the context. So I have a sensor that senses the door opening to the garage. I have a tilt sensor that senses the garage door being open. And then the motion sensor in the garage, all of which turn on the lights in the garage for no more than 10 minutes. I looked at this as not only convenience, but conservation. I wouldn't know that the light was on in the garage. And the fact that it automatically shuts off after 10 minutes of being appropriate is really, in my mind, adding to this whole conservation and being eco-friendly and whatnot. Uh, it was working fine until my uh, grandson went into the garage and turned the switch off. And in his own mind, he's doing the right thing, being conservative by turning the switch off because, you know, his parents have told him, you know, conserve. So I, I'm just curious, in the research and the study and all the things that you've been doing, do you find generational aspects with regard to adoption? You know, millennials, you mentioned millennials. Are they more tuned in to automation than people my age, my generation? Well, 
as a generation as a whole, the answer is yes, uh, because many many of the younger population has grown up with the internet. Unlike someone like myself, uh, saying that the early adopters, the individuals that have really pushed this from the beginning, are gentlemen like yourself. And I say gentlemen because most of the early adopters in the smart home space have been driven by males of head of households. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Well, you recently held your 15th annual Connection Summit, the Smart Home Business Models and Strategies, a few weeks ago at CES. I've gone to CES once and I was absolutely blown away with all the things that are going on and all the innovations in technology. Is there some technology, something that really blew you away that said, wow, this is innovative, this is really state-of-the-art, this is you know, where the future is? Ron, that's a fantastic question from the standpoint of how do you narrow it down, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think some of the key trends that I saw were significant advances in artificial intelligence uh, as it relates to any of the products at the show. Uh, I think the other big, I th thought was a big trend was the addition of the connected car aspect. That was a huge addition to the show this year with, you know, all of the big car makers being there and, and working then with the bigger, the big consumer electronics firms in that space. So that is clearly uh we're seeing traction in that particular area as well. Yeah, you know, I, I was just moderating a session with uh, with Google and uh, with uh, Portland General, and uh, they were talking a lot about the electrification and the impact that electrification is going to have on the grid, and what the asset, being the vehicle, could be to the grid both as a load and potentially as a resource. But yet, if I look at the adoption of electric vehicles, we're still at the early, early stages of, of electric vehicle. So thinking about the connected home, the connected environment, have any thoughts as to, you know, is there going to be some hockey stick that causes us to adopt electric vehicles? Well, I think with all things, we're going to see adoption first in urban areas. And part of that is due to you know, how the electric vehicles operate with their distances and such like that. Mm -hmm. But really, in those dense urban areas, you're, you're now seeing things like apartment complexes working with utilities, municipalities working with utilities to put in charging stations. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the, the key barriers right now is having access to a charging station. <laughs> You know, in the intersection of the home and the grid and the grid and, and the electric vehicle will be the charging station. And that will be a customer-owned asset, you know, as part of the smart home or potentially even could be a co-shared ownership between the utility and the consumer. I was wondering if you if you say electric vehicles was, was a big thing at the Consumer Electronics Show. Any insights in that space in, in terms of, you know, participation and, and excitement? Well, I think there's a lot of excitement about it, uh, especially in, let's say, uh, again, the urban areas. It's interesting because I had participated on a Smart Cities Committee hmm. for Distributech, and that was key. I mean, all of the players on my committee were, you know, not only were they focused on the traditional smart lighting, et cetera, 
of the smart cities, but really a key piece was how that was accelerating very quickly with getting those charging stations out in the marketplace. So a smart city made up of smart people, smart homes, smart assets. How far away are we from big adoption of smart cities? Are we still in pilot testing phase or do you see, you know, it accelerating? You know, what's your research shown? Well, consumers will often say, just like intenders often say they'll, they're intending to buy something, but then when it comes to reality, uh, they don't always go through. Really, the bottom line with on the consumer side is we have to make it easy, mm. right? Unlike yourself, who's an early adopter, who's willing to tinker and read the manuals, that doesn't happen with the rest of the population. So essentially, we have to make it easy for them or seamless. Yeah. Is, is it any different, like an electric vehicle, for going to the gas pump versus charging your vehicle at home or at the office? Back in 2001, I had an opportunity to participate in a smart home visioning session that was hosted by the Department of Energy. And many of the concepts that they had talked about over a decade ago, multiple decades, are, are now commonplace. Of key interest at that time was having appliances that were grid-sensitive, grid-aware. And I was curious if you've seen anything in your research or your experience that shows that appliances are going to be grid-connected assets. Ron, when we look at the smart appliance market, it's in general has been slow to take off, but it's starting to gain momentum, mainly as the larger players, the consumer electronics uh, manufacturers are getting into the space and and adding just that connectivity to the device. So that's kind of step one. Adding that extra value on whether it saves money or provides some additional convenience is really what's going to drive that as we as we move forward. So our recent research shows today about 11% of U.S. broadband households own one or more smart appliance. So that that's will, pretty significant. That is. And that, you know, I, I would say we can really attribute that to these big players making a core feature of their products. Mm-hmm. Samsung is a, is a prime example of that. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they have some value lines now, but it's almost hard to buy a, a Samsung refrigerator without that connectivity. I think as, as we look at that visionary of, of where the smart appliances tie into the grid, it really boils down to how we make that convenient to the customer or not inconvenient. Mm. That's, a, that's a good choice <laughs> of phrase. You know, uh, it, it ain't necessarily just convenience. It's lack of inconvenience. Absolutely. So the last thing someone you know, the busy mom with three kids that's shuttling them to 15 different activities is really, it doesn't want to have to do anything. It needs to happen automatically behind the scenes and not cause an inconvenience. So we've seen some success with that, with smart thermostats for different demand response and energy efficiency programs where the device manufacturers are working directly with utilities to pre-program the back of the house decision making. Mm. So it, it, kind of making it not 
overt, but kind of subtle in terms of this is a good thing to do. You don't have to read the manual, so to speak. And it almost becomes more of a plug and play based upon your norms and hopefully adjusting based upon the particular situation of the individual. Absolutely. So plug and play is a great way to discuss this it is again the more we can make it seamless for that consumer you know they're happy to comply <laughs> yeah yeah so one of the things that is uh, you know if we go back to 09 when the, the government issued the american recovery reinvestment act ara which fostered a lot of the advanced metering infrastructure ami and virtually every ami meter has got a home area network connection, you know, a Zigbee 1.x home area network. But yet, even though 60% of the U.S. population has got smart meters, very, 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 very small percentage of those installations are actually using the home area network for any purpose whatsoever. Now, not to get into a debate of 1.x versus 2.0 and and some later uh, advances on, on the protocol, could we see you know, smart meters being a, an integral part of the home automation rather than a tangential, you know, somebody else's asset not providing value to me? Do you, do you see some convergence in that space? Well, I think the, the first thing, Ron, is um, it goes back to easy. That's the word of the day, the easy button, mm-hmm. right? And uh, awareness and education, right? And how easy back to easy again, how easy is it for the consumer to adopt that? One of the challenges is, again, having to read that manual and do all these extra steps, which is a core reason why adoption stays so low. What will be maybe an interesting event that's going to occur in the space is earlier last year, Amazon, Apple, Google, and the Zigbee Alliance announced plans to develop an open source connectivity standard for those smart home devices. And it's called Project Connected Home Over IP. So C-H-O-I-P, if you need another acronym in your <laughs> We have plenty of them. <laughs> <laughs> so really, I think that that's going to be one of those entrants and then how it can relate to, again, being able to utilize those smart homes. The beauty of that is the Zigbee Alliance is heavily involved in this working committee to develop this standard. Plug and play and standards have been the nirvana that we've all been hoping for to, to break some of the, the barriers of adoption. Um, I, I know that you know we, we can probably spend much, much more time in, and having this conversation excites me and, and thrills me because it, it, it's starting to see fruition of a lot of the vision that you, know, you guys have been at the forefront of this for many, many years and your persistence and your ability to look ahead and, and hang in there, so to speak. How do you set the stage for an electric utility to look at this automation of connected home? And what would be your thoughts and suggestions that utilities might want to take to advance this even faster than the adoption rates we're seeing now? I mean, uh, I know utilities have been offering discounts and incentives to buy Nest thermostats and other things. Is that enough? Is there something else that we need to to kind of drive the industry toward a, a greater adoption? 
Sure. And I think that that's a great way to look at things, especially when we look at the marketplace. So I'm going to take a step back and talk about some of our recent Mm -hmm. research. And one of the key things is today, over 41% of households own a smart speaker, smart display. So that's your Amazon Alexas of the world. Four out of 10 households, that's that's significant. What's interesting is how that relates to thermostats. So when we look at those who say they want to purchase a smart thermostat, that's around 29% of the population right now that's saying that they're interested in that. Saying that, 70% of those intenders also wanted to be compatible with that smart speaker that they already have at home. So what we have observed in the marketplace is there are several utilities in the marketplace that have really capitalized on, on this in some of our research and are using smart speakers as an incentive to get the smart thermostat in the home. If you just take your percentages, right? If, if you have 40% of the homes with smart speakers and 79%, you said? Uh, 70%. 70% wanting to have connected thermostats. I mean, that's from a market research perspective, that should be very obvious to connect those dots. Right. And then the other interesting thing that we're seeing is taking, taking those trends in the marketplace, such as the consumer really using those voice assistants to ask about daily activities, what's the weather, et cetera, really capitalize on that and being able to speak to their utility. What's my bill? Being able to pay their bill, uh, seeing how they're doing. Am I spending more money using more energy this right now or not? And so we've seen a few utilities really capitalize again on these market trends. And again, it's all about customer satisfaction, but making it easy for that that consumer. You know, one of the, the discussions we had in one of the panels earlier today was, you know, the three Ds, you know, decarbonization, decentralization, and digitization. And, and I added a fourth D, which is data, which, which kind of runs through all those particular aspects. There's a lot of data that we're capturing and, and a lot of value in that data. And I, I, I think, you know, to your point, when, when we think about the digital experience, and if I were to look at personal digital experience with the likes of an Amazon or a digital experience with Google versus a digital experience with my utility, the digital experience I have with my utility doesn't rank anywhere near the digital experience I have with some of these others. So bridging that, I think, is, is going to be an interesting thing. So very interested in, I guess, some of the, the firms that you've uh, alluded to utilities that are looking at the voice-activated interaction. How does your research help a lot of these people who might be on the fence with regard to adopting these things? So when we look at uh, our research, we go out and survey 10,000 broadband households on a quarterly basis uh, about emerging technology in the home. In addition to that, we have a focus as well in the utility sector, and we ask about energy-saving devices, uh, whether those are smart thermostats or they're solar panels. And we also ask about programs, so whether they're energy efficiency programs or their demand response, 
And we ask all kinds of scenarios, for example, in a demand response on what would make them interested in participating. Mm. And you would be surprised, it's not always money. (laughs) Okay, so you teased me, what is it? It goes back to what I mentioned earlier. Most consumers, at least 80% of consumers, really want to be energy efficient. But, and the key word is but, they don't want it to inconvenience their lifestyle. Or maybe they don't know how. That is a piece of it as well. So again, anything we can do to automate that doesn't provide an inconvenience is uh, clearly the way to attack the marketplace. Make it as easy as possible for the consumer to feel good about saving energy. Well, I know that you know we could spend the next hour or so because this is a passion of mine and clearly a passion and a focus of, of yours. Um, <clears throat> I know that you're having your Smart Energy Summit uh, down here in Austin, Texas in February. Uh, is there something that would be of, of real significant value that you'd like to have our listeners hear about in terms of that, that particular summit? Well, I think one of the key things is the summit is really focused around engaging the consumer and how utilities' roles and other energy providers are working with those consumers. And so at the event, we're going to talk about not only our research, but we're also going to bring in leaders from not only the utility space, regulators, as well as other type of providers that provide services in the home and how how they're addressing that, how you get that consumer to engage. Wonderful. So more details because, you know, <laughs> we want to make sure that we have a lot of people coming to, to hear the, the valuable insights that you can provide. Sure. I think one of the other things is oh, we kick off the event on day one on February 17th with a special workshop that attendees can sign up for that is completely based on our recent research that happened out of Q4. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll be telling all kinds of uh, great little tidbits on trends and and, uh, that we're seeing, what's changed, uh, what's flat, and uh, that's a key part as well. And what I think is gonna be the most interesting is really seeing some of the different business models that the utilities are using to address key things in the space and how they're working with other partners as well to um, make that engagement happen. Wonderful. Let's let, I just some thoughts that I just want to run through. So ease is, I think, a key takeaway word. Plug and play has got to play into this. I think comfort in terms of interacting with technology is probably something else that you know, will play into this. Plus, I also think that utility engagement with their customer to to make the digital experience something that they would value. Anything else that you would add to that short list? You know, I would say the other thing that we see that often drives adoption really comes from the safety and security Hmm. piece of it. I think an example of this, not particularly related to utilities, but is the success of the video doorbell. Customers love it because they can see who's at the door. So again, it goes back to that safety security. They can see their child come home. They can get the notification. Oh, Susie came in the front door. She's not by herself. She has a friend with her. You know, so it goes back to that safety and security piece. 
and customers are willing to pay for that peace of mind. As you might suspect, I've got a video doorbell. Part of the aspect of that I'm using it for is oftentimes I have deliveries come when I'm not at home. So I can track you know, my, my Amazon and other deliveries and let, if we're not home and it's something that I'm expecting, I can call a neighbor or somebody else. So many, many values, plus I also get the neighborhood alerts, which I think adds to this whole smart home to smart city connectivity. And I think the utility is an integral part of that smart city, smart home, smart utility uh, environment. So, Denise, love talking to you. I, I, I thank you so much for... for As you can tell from our conversation, Denise and I share a passion about the value of connected homes in the grid. I look forward to being on a panel at their Smart Energy Summer in February, where we will be discussing the consumer and distributed energy resources and their impact on the grid. A big thanks to Denise for spending some time with me at Distributech and to you, our listeners and supporters of the Energy Exchange. For more information on this topic, please be sure to visit enternext.com backslash the energy exchange. In season two of the energy exchange, we will be diving into areas such as advanced distribution management systems, cyber protection, and DER. We invite you to suggest topics that you'd like to hear from us on, so please drop us a note to podcast at enternext.com, and please subscribe to our podcast. We can be found on all major platforms. Until next time, this is Ron Chebra. Thanks for listening. For more on this and other relevant grid modernization topics, visit internext.com backslash the energy exchange. Internex, a Chessy company, is an electric power engineering consulting and research firm focused on advancing a cleaner, smarter energy system of the future. <laughs>